Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome back to the Surge Strength Podcast, everyone. Hope you're doing well. It's Really just a good continual reminder as I'm working and on study session calls with a lot of the coaches that are right now working their way through the Surge Strength Dryland certification that if you're trying to figure out Dryland on your own, and especially if you don't have a degree in exercise science background and kinesiology, strength and conditioning background, it can feel overwhelming so fast. And that's at the heart of when I was putting together all of the lessons, all the modules for the SSDC and keeping it simple, you just always need to do that. And I would say even in your swim training too, yes, there are ways and and times and places, especially the more elite, the athlete, where it's going to get really nuanced in the program. But the vast majority of coaches out there and athletes that you're dealing with, you just need to work with the basics. And that could be as simple as, Okay, we're just going through three phases for periodization, strength, strength, power, power. That's it. I want to make sure I hit my five movements every day. Brace, hinge, squat, push, pull. Done. And having simplicity as the foundation cornerstones of your dryland program, I think is really going to help the results of your program as well. So I'm excited for a bunch of coaches to start getting uh, surge strength dryland certified this week and going forward. And that kind of leads into what we're going to preview in the inside the Surge Strength Academy that's coming directly from the SSDC curriculum. And the topic on this lesson is when should a swimmer lift? It's a really great question. I get it all the time. And we boil it down to just answering two simple questions. Continue to make it simple, not ineffective, just as simple as possible. And then on the dryland talk, segment of the podcast. We're going to be joined by a parent and a teenage athlete that joined us for our surge strength program around when lockdown started. You know, they didn't have access to gyms. They just had some home equipment and we really helped them uh, specifically, obviously the son training gets so much better over the summer. And the cool thing was he's actually really mainly a water polo player. And then he's just getting back in the water and he's talking about how much stronger he feels already. And he's been out of the water for three, four months. And that's just awesome to us that we're able to help get athletes results, even if circumstances outside their control limit their water access. And then it was cool to hear from the parents' perspective of how nice that was that they knew their son had an awesome program and they didn't have to worry about it. The dad was trying to cobble stuff together and do the best he could with just his knowledge and program, but he knew at some point it, he was going to run to the edge of his knowledge and he needed to hire the experts. So it was just a really cool conversation to talk about some of the success stories that are coming out of our surge strength programs, especially again, in circumstances that are not by any means ideal over the summer. So again, I'm not sure if you're back in the water or if you're not, hopefully you are. It frankly doesn't matter at this point in terms of don't use it as an excuse of why you can't be getting better. There's so many things that we have shown both in free webinars and the Surge Strength Certification 
what our dryland certified coaches are programming for our athletes and teams and our surge strength programs. There's so much stuff you can do, even if your circumstances are limited. So keep it simple. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode and let's get into it. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. When should a swimmer lift is the topic I'll be covering in this lesson. It's maybe one of the most popular questions I get. Coaches, athletes, parents, everyone wants to know when is the magical age that a swimmer can lift? Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I do not have a magical age for you in this lesson, but what I do have are guidelines to figure out when is it appropriate for every athlete to engage in a resistance strength training program. So there are basically two prerequisites that it boils down to in terms of when an athlete should strength train. Number one, do they have a willingness to listen to instructions? That's pretty important. We want swimmers, athletes not to hurt themselves when they're doing strength training or any dry land program. And number two, do they have a desire to participate in it? And I think that if both these things can be checked, then you can do strength training with that athlete. My guess is that the eight-year-old probably isn't going to have both those boxes checked. <laughs> Dealing with a lot of eight-year-olds, train a lot of them over the years, but somewhere between eight and 15, you're going to have both of those boxes checked. So I think that there is an individual component to it with every athlete because it's important for both of these to be checked. Are they going to listen to instructions and engage in the process? And if not, then you need to definitely be more game-based because that's really where they're at. Whereas if they have a desire to do strength training, I know some athletes that are even maybe in high school and they have really no desire to do it. So is that really the best thing for them? And that obviously depends on your situation, your club, how you're running your program. But if these two boxes are checked, they have a willingness to listen to instructions and they have desire to participate in the strength training program, you should be fine to proceed. Now, how you proceed, that's what this whole module is about in terms of the training specificity. Now, there are positive biological adaptations to doing resistance training. So that's why I think if you can have an athlete that is 10 or 11 and they have both those boxes checked, great. That's actually going to really help them down the road. Now, I know that maybe contrary to what you believe, you know, even 30, 40 years ago, there were doctors saying, no, kids shouldn't use strength training because it's going to stunt their growth or hurt their bones or joints and things of that nature. That's not the case if it's done properly. And if you're following the surge strength principles that we've laid out here in this certification, it's actually going to be very positive effects. And the same thing, even down the other end of the spectrum in terms of uh, chronological age, your older athletes, there's many positive benefits to strength training that we'll get into later on. What you need to understand is where are you going to adjust the program to best meet the athlete where they're at? And we'll talk about more of that in the coming lessons, but being able to customize and individualize the variables, that's really what's key. So yes, obviously a 10-year-old that's starting to do strength training for the first time, their program is going to look nothing like a professional swimmer who has lifted for eight years straight. And of course, it sounds kind of obvious, but these are the things you have to talk about because some people think it's all or nothing thing when it comes to programming for swimmers. So here's some general guidelines and we'll get into these more specifically in the coming lessons. But the younger the athlete is, either chronologically or biologically, you want more emphasis on fun. Also, the younger the athlete, you actually want more 
outcome-based than form-based. Now, that may be contrary to some of you coaches out there thinking it's all about the process, right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing at, at all, especially in the pool, but when we're doing on land, if you think about a six, eight, 10 year old, what you're really trying to do is develop their enthusiasm for the dry land aspect of their program. And so you actually don't want to overcoach it. You want to just kind of give them the endpoint and say, hey, we're going to hop on one leg and I want you to stick that landing. So when they land, you're not going to talk about maybe the angle of their knee or their angle that they're sitting down and their hips. You just want them to be able to stick it and to be like, yeah, this is fun, right? I enjoy this. So it's actually more outcome-based as opposed to form-based. You want to save form for when the athlete is being able to buy more into the program, take more ownership, so then they can self-coach themselves on how good their technique is. So that may be a little bit contrary to your thinking coming into this. So make sure you're aware of that. The younger the swimmer, you really want more outcome-based. And yes, there's a time where we start to have kind of 50-50 outcome and form-based goals, and then it goes to almost completely form-based goals. Now, the younger two athletes, especially there's these windows of where they're really prime for great adaptations in terms of movement, coordination, rhythm, things like that, you want to work that as the athlete is younger. The more you can just sprinkle that into the program, it's going to pay huge dividends in terms of the long-term athletic development model. When they're 15, 16 in college, if you do drills like that, games, movement, rhythm-based games with the younger athletes, that's going to come into play a lot more and enable them to have a bigger foundation to form their athletic skills. Also, the more you can let younger athletes kind of just let go and discover, that's really where light bulbs start going off. And so obviously you want to make sure kids are safe, but if you can give them parameters of like, all right, guys, here's the goal. We have this game. You have to get from this end of the room to this end of the room, but you can only land in the rings. And maybe the red rings, you can only land in your right foot. And the blue rings, you can only land in your left foot. Ready, go and then let them kind of figure it out. So you've set up parameters, you've ensured that there's safety in that game, but then you're letting the athletes discover, okay, how am I going to get from one end of the room to the other? And okay, this ring, I can only land my left foot, this ring, I can only land my right foot, and they have to figure out the path. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of letting the athletes discover kind of the how-to. You're not going to say to the eight-year-old, hey, kid, here's a dumbbell, make sure you're doing your, your dumbbell snatch correctly, ready, go. Like you're, you're not going to do that. So make sure you understand the, the difference there that I'm talking about. Now, the other thing to think about as the younger the athlete, what you want to do is identify what variables maybe you need to adjust of those dynamic eight. And honestly, the younger the athlete, you're kind of not worried about sets and reps. You're more worried about rhythm, movement, coordination, setting up more game-based stuff. So actually, it's probably a limited amount of variables you're even having to figure out with that. That leads into an altered dryland structured session. So the dryland session for a six, seven, eight-year-old obviously is going to look very different than for 15, 16, and 17-year-olds. There may still be some commonalities and some crossover, but by and large, it's going to look pretty different how you structure that. And we'll get into specifically what those look like with case studies coming up. Also with younger athletes, you want to scale back the overall time and intensity. One, they're not going to be able to work super hard. A eight-year-old does not have the same work capacity as an 18-year-old. And by that, you shouldn't have them be working out for an hour, just like the 18-year-old as well. Keep it in smaller chunks, have it be enjoyable, stimulating, fun, and want them coming back to do more. Again, 
Take the long-term view, especially the younger the athlete, you're trying to take the longest view with that. Now, this is obviously critical too when we're figuring out in terms of when a swimmer should lift, if those two boxes are checked. It also comes back to what the movement assessments say. What do the performance tests say? And this is where you're going to be able to individualize it. So again, you may have a group that varies in age from maybe 11 to 14. That's a big age gap in terms of where those athletes could be chronologically, training age, and biologically. So we're going to also make sure you understand how do you individualize group training with a group like that when you have so many baby variables, maybe even a group that's a bigger age gap than that. Um, And I know I've dealt with that and that's challenging, but we're going to give you keys of how to put that program together to make sure it flows, but it's also individualizing it as much as possible for the athletes because the more you can individualize the program and meet them where they're at the better results you're going to be so i know i didn't give you a magic number of when that swimmer can lift but hopefully through this you're understanding what boxes need to be checked and then once those boxes are checked just some general guidelines of thinking what to focus on when you're starting to develop that program dryland talk all right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Dryland Talk on the Surge Strength Podcast. And I got a special one for you guys today. I'm here with one of our Dryland certified coaches, Sam, and one of the individual athletes we've been working with for a while, Bobby and his dad, Bob. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us, Chris. It's good to be back on the podcast again. Yeah. So, Bob, I want to start with you because you you reached out to us. And I remember when we talked initially, you had followed us for a, a while, right? You've been listening to the other podcast as well. Talk, talk to me about how you originally found us. I was just looking for a, a good coaching podcast on swimming and I stumbled upon yours and I liked one of the episodes. So I went back and actually binged the entire thing from the <laughs> beginning uh, all the way through. Uh, and, uh, you know, I use some of the uh, techniques that you talk about, about, uh, how to talk to kids and how to coach kids and work with my kids as well to help them. And I, uh, coach a little summer water polo at a club in Washington here. And so I use that same kind of technique with them where, you know, it's more about building them up, finding out what their individual needs are and kind of working with them individually and find out what their goals are. And so I'm not forcing everyone down the same track and trying to beat everybody into a single, you know, cookie cutter. Yeah. And that's such the cool thing that you're coming from a water polo place and you found us as a swimming podcast. And obviously I'm talking to swim coaches. I haven't really interviewed a water polo coach that I know of yet. How, I'm just curious of even that mindset of you going out and searching for kind of knowledge or whatever you can find, even if it's not, you know, specifically a water polo thing. Well, I'm a swimmer too. So I I play water polo, but I also do long distance swimming, some marathon stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I really enjoy doing anything from two miles to 11 miles and it's fun. (laughs) So I, I always look for good technique podcasts and my coaches mm-hmm. are great up here. I swim with the Lake Washington masters who are fantastic, but uh, sometimes I'm just, I don't understand what they're saying and I want to just get a few different perspectives and it's kind of nice to listen to other people and, and understand my gotcha. learning is a whole, you know, a lifetime sport. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then you'd been doing some dryland strength training stuff with your son for a while before you reached out to us, right? Right. When the, the COVID hit and we started locking down, mm. uh, we went out and started hoarding weight equipment like some people <laughs> did. And uh, um, I, I reached out to my old high school coach, uh, which we worked out with uh, way back in the day. And he, we had this workout, which was um, basically a circuit of every kind of weight you can do, but it was based on 10, 12, 14, 16. So it was mm. uh, increased reps, decrease weight, and just kind of uh, keep going around in a circle through the whole set and try to do as quick as possible. 
And it was great for building a little bit of uh, resistance and building a little bit of um, uh, stamina and the weights. So it was good for Bobby to get started there, but I really couldn't take it much farther. Mm. Bobby, could you tell, like, what was it first like when you started doing that strength training routine with your dad? Could you feel at some point like, okay, I'm not seeing as much results as you maybe did initially? Just I'm curious what's your viewpoint on that? Well, at first it was definitely hard. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I was dying the first few weeks. And and then uh, all of a sudden it just kept getting a little, a little bit easier to do. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt, uh, felt like a, felt like a, not, not hard enough. And it just felt like a routine. I gotcha. And so Bob, that's around when you were reaching out to us, I want to kind of bring Sam in here a little bit. What was that like? You know, we had our initial conversation kind of figured out what was the best plan and, and coach for us to pair you up with. What was it like meeting Sam as your dryland coach for for Bobby there? And, and Sam, you maybe want to hop in too, and maybe you guys have the conversation back and forth. I'm I'm curious because I didn't even uh, was a part of much of that onboarding process once you guys get going with your coach. So talk to me about meeting Sam and getting ready with a little bit. Well, I can start off with the first part, which is uh, you guys have the assessment that you do with with them, and it was kind of fun to see what his deficiencies and strengths mm. were, right? So, was, uh, you know, things that we didn't even realize were a deficiency were, were there, right? And uh, that was kind of a neat way to kind of see where the strength actually lies and where the power is and where it, where it isn't. And Do you remember any of those that, that jumped out to you that surprised you one way or another? Uh, no, I, actually, I think it was his legs is still is one of the, you know, the things he's got to work on. So mm-hmm. leg strength, and, but he's, he's pretty strong, but there's, there's more thing we gained there. His upper body seems to be pretty good and his flexibility in his upper body seems to be pretty good. So okay. those are the, his lower body flexibility is a couple of pieces that he need to work on, but those were his limitations. Cool. Yeah. And that's what I noticed when I did the initial assessment is that, you know, upper body was pretty good, pretty flexible. Um, I remember specifically, you know, wanting to increase our shoulder flexibility. So we did a lot of single arm uh, exercises at the beginning, just to make sure that we got a good range of motion through those strength um, exercises. And, you know, also for down the line when, you know, at the beginning and where Bobby is right now in his level of development, you know, doing incredibly sport specific training is not going to be the best thing that we can do for him, mm-hmm. but to give him more of a multilateral development so that, you know, once he gets to be a senior and freshman in college, that he's ready for his water polo coach to be able to do more sport specific water polo skills with them. And you were spot on. I mean, he, we needed a lot of, uh, hip flexibility, glute ham and glute and, uh, hamstring strength. So that was another kind of focus and something that I really wanted to make sure that we honed in on as we progressed through. Sounds like the majority of the the particularly teenage boys, Sam, I remember training <laughs> a lot of hip stuff, tight hamstrings, you know, yeah. I mean, talk to, talk to me about that as a coach, Sam, when you're seeing that and maybe some of the co- communication that you talked with, with Bobby and Bob, as they're getting onboarded, like kind of making sure everybody's on the same page with this stuff. Yeah, I think that, you know, for, I really want, you know, I, I think a, a deficiency I see in a lot of young men is they can't touch their toes. Mm-hmm. And I really want to try to increase that. Um, so, you know, through through some of that stuff, I believe we did just working on doing uh, low uh, pistol squats. Um, we did some lunges and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, through through COVID, what we've had to do is that when I meet with a client, I have to figure out what they have and then get really creative with the things they have so that we're not doing the same motion over and over and over again, doing the same load, the same weight. And I, I think that we can go through a range of motions and a lot, a lot of different range of motions when it comes to just body weight. 
but you know, also making sure that we're not getting stale with the the external load or the weight that we're putting onto you know Bobby. Um, so we made sure that we kind of started out with a good, you know, we started in fives, and then you know, one thing I typically wouldn't maybe typically do with a with a regular with a regular client during a normal non pandemic time would be to get up into a higher rep range. But that was just one way that I could make sure that I was constantly and progressively overloading Bobby so that we were building strength and flexibility as we were going through a process with the, but you know, the awesome thing is they had a barbell, they had a squat rack, they had a dip station. So we really didn't have to do too many things differently um, because of the amount of, you know, the amount of stuff that you guys had. Dad, you, get, you did good, Dad, getting all the equipment there. <laughs> and we threw a couple of things in as well. With, uh, after he did workouts that Sam had, had prescribed, we put him in the backyard. He did uh, jump rope for a while and then oh, cool. also um, mm-hmm. a rebounder against a water polo uh, rebounder. And then there was a balance, uh, a balance board. They was actually passing the ball to the rebounder and back while he's balancing on the board at the same time. So just kind of working on simulating what it's like to be in the water where you have no control over your lower body. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Bobby, I'm curious, what's your perspective on being able to do a program like this, especially with a coach that's not there with you in person? Um, uh, the program, it was actually pretty, pretty awesome. I got to do a bunch of different stuff than I would normally do. And, uh, and it would just work like I, I get the sets, I do the sets, yeah. I, get the set, I get the sets again. <laughs> it's, it's always different and it's, it's been really fun. Cool. And was it was it pretty easy to just kind of go back and forth with Sam about things? Were there certain things that maybe you guys had to adjust the first few weeks, just getting to know each other? What was that like? Um, so we would have uh, Zoom meetings every mm-hmm. other week. So he would, uh, I would update him on on what other stuff we could use in the workouts. No, and, cool. And this is where I have to give a huge kudos to Bobby because he is like, he didn't miss a workout. He didn't miss a zoom meeting every time that I asked him for something, he did it. And so really like working with this online platform, you, you know, you need to be really responsive because it is different than, you know, having a coach in person, but if you're driven and you are committed to the process, then it's really no different because, you know, within, within the workouts that I would give him, I would make sure that there was instructions and, you know, different focal points that I wanted him to focus on, depending on feedback that I got from him, or maybe something I saw in his assessment. Um, and then I also made sure that there were videos. So there was also that visual component of, you know, it, you know, I, especially I think now, um, in this day and age that a lot of young men and women growing up in the, in the technological age are more uh, visual learners. So I think it's incredibly important to not also have those verbal cues, but to have a visual demonstration of the exercise performed properly. Yeah, no, Bobby, that's awesome to hear. And, and we're actually getting a, a ton more of teenage clients, but we have had some where it started great the first week or two. <laughs> and then, you know, they've got to start falling off, maybe miss a workout here and miss a workout here. So kudos to you for following through on everything. And obviously we saw the results. So how long, I know we kind of stopped uh, push pause on the programming when school started back up and just, you know, juggling all these activities. But Bobby, from your perspective, what difference did you feel from when you started with Sam to then when we paused? And that was just, uh, I think, what, by the end of August or early September or so? First week of September. Yeah. Uh, um, I definitely felt a lot stronger. It was, um, well, it's a little different now because it's just wall practice. I don't yeah. really practice with weights in the morning anymore. I practice weights uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the afternoon. 
though, now. But now it's... It's... Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to think. That's, um, that's fine. Dad, from your perspective, what, what was it like from the start to end there? Because we had, what, a four, five-month solid period there where you guys were training with Sam? That was about three, actually. But yeah, okay. it was... Yeah, but mm-hmm. what we did, what we did see was uh, a, a increase in his range of motion. I mean, I did, definitely saw a lot of work with his yoga, which was kind of nice to see that flexibility coming in there. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice addition to his workout. We've never really done anything like that. It helped zen him out and kind of center him a little bit too, which is kind of <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So Chris, Chris, another thing I do with all my online clients that they want to is um, on, you know, research supports that the more uh, the free, the frequency of sessions helps facilitate recovery in, in between sessions. So yeah. having a low intensity mm-hmm. stimulus mm-hmm. on an off day. Mm-hmm. And I really like to use yoga for that. And on top of that, not only does it increase flexibility and range of motion, but it gives it, I feel like in tunes us a little bit more with our breathing, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a, an often forgotten part of training that, Huge. you know, it, and yeah. I've gone to, I've listened to some people talk and this is a research interest of mine, but you know, as humans, we don't breathe well. And that's kind of a weird thing to think about because it's just a natural human, you know, it's what we have to do to live. But some of us have a lot of uh, issue and struggle getting deep into our diaphragm and making sure that we're using that muscle. Um, And, you know, if we're not using that muscle throughout the day, then when we come to exercise and training, the top part of our lungs are already fatigued. So we're just fatiguing them more and not able to train as hard as we could. That's Bobby, actually, what uh, was your perspective on that with the breathing? Um, um, I definitely felt a lot calmer throughout the day, mm. and I, and also helped me with the day day after. I got to feel a little more controlled with my breathing during the workouts. And is that like, did that help you too when you get to a point either in you know maybe now water polo you notice it or back just then when you were lifting when it gets really hard? Are you able to kind of be able to stay a little calmer and? focus on what you're doing and not worry about, Oh man, I'm so tired. I can't hang on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. My breathing def- Yeah. The improved breathing definitely helped with that. That's really cool. Yeah. Dad, do you have any other thoughts too about what you saw from kind of start to, to end there? I, we, we did see an increase in his muscle mass and his weight as well, which is kind of mm-hmm. nice to see, right? Bobby has always struggled with keeping weight on <laughs> and uh, we put on, I think since COVID started, he's put on almost 20 pounds. So it's been, that's awesome. Yeah. It's and with good. increased flexibility. So it's not just yeah. like we, we bulked him up and then he's, you know, has less movement around the hips. No, I mean, before I found you guys, it was basically all running and doing my crazy weight, weight set that I gave him. Right. <laughs> uh, it was kind of nice to have a more controlled and more, uh, you know, planned out version of, of workout for him. You know, there was a goal in mind. And we had, the goal actually originally was for a, uh, there was a combine coming up in, uh, on the East coast that he was supposed to attend. And so the goal was to just have him ready for that. However, the combine got canceled because yeah. of everything, unfortunately. Uh, so now we're trying to figure out other ways to get seen by coaches. So Sam, talk a little bit more about the progression you saw from start to finish there over that three months there. Because again, in some respects, that's a very short amount of time, but it sounds like you guys really gained a lot in those three months, especially with Bobby not missing any sessions and being really responsive in the communication. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got to reiterate that that was just awesome to see from a young man. And, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, means he's got some good genetics and some good parents that led him to be who he is. Um, but, you know, I really I'm really hesitant to start out with barbell training, especially when I get a new client until I can get a good, I guess, grasp of their just baseline strength. 
Um, so, you know, we started out with doing a lot of, uh, you know, dumbbell and single arm and single leg training. And then, you know, because of his consistency and his ability to put in the work, we were able to progress to, you know, being able to use a barbell pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and then through Are that, there certain you know, things, Sam, that you're looking for in particular before you start incorporating that. And I'm, I'm just curious, like what, what could you see in Bobby that you're like, okay, we're, we're ready to add this into the program. So one of the awesome things about Train Heroic is it gives me kind of like an RPE for the session. Mm. And so when I got to the point that I saw the intensity of the session when we were doing 30, 35 pounds for exercises was fairly low, that gave me the ability that I know that A, he was physically strong enough, but then Mm. also B, the exercises weren't nearly taxing him nearly enough to where we could keep, you know, continually progressing in weight throughout the process. so, you know, a typical barbell is 20 kilograms or 45 pounds because um, Americans don't use the metric system. But, uh, <laughs> you know, once I, once I saw that he was able to do 30 and 35 pounds for most things, um, I, you know, I felt that he was uh, and, and that, it, you know, it wasn't fatiguing him that I was confident to make that jump up. So I think, in, you know, just to sum that up, I saw that he could tolerate the workload at the given weight that I was giving him so that he could move up to doing more barbell training. Bobby, would that feel like making a transition like that going going into uh, barbell adding in? That's a, that's a big step. Um, you know, I was I was actually kind of excited. I I really wanted to use the barbell sometime mm. soon. You know, I w- I was pretty good doing the bench press and uh, back squat. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. Cool. Um, I wanted to ask from Dad's perspective. I mean, obviously you were really into coaching, looking at different things, you know, getting on our podcast or binging all of those. What did you learn, if anything, just kind of being observant and and watching Bobby progress in this program that we're giving you guys? Well, I'm not as good of a coach as I thought I was. So (laughs) that's a most important thing is, you know, sometimes leave it to the professionals. I am good at, uh, you know, helping people along the way, but uh, when it comes to trying to fine tune things, it's not my forte yet. So it was kind of nice to see someone who really has, uh, like like Sam has, really kind of delved into the science of working out and exercise and and physiology and knowing you know what to assign when. Right for me, it was just a, a you know like 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 they say when um, when all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. Mm-hmm. So I only know one way to work out. Right, everything for me was always just grind, 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 and that's all I knew how to give him. Hmm. And it's interesting too, like what Sam said about him having those lower intensity days actually probably over the, the bigger span helped him to actually grind more, yeah. but, but giving it up and down stuff. And that was actually a, a good lesson for me. So when we put him in the pool, so we had some pool time, we got in there, I, hmm. I, instead of doing high intensity sprint work or just long distance and lots of grinding, I just started doing just uh, technique work, right? Short distance technique, a little bit here and there, fixing the elbow and fixing the wrist and the catch. And uh, it's paid off in dividends, right? Those, it was better to kind of stop, slow down, break it down, rather than trying to go hard, which mm. is what my, what my uh, mentality has always been. No, that's really cool. So, Bobby, you're back in the water now. And is it just water polo or are you also doing some swimming too? Uh, just water polo. Gotcha. And so what, if anything, have you noticed being back in the water? And again, you were out of the water for COVID for, you know, who knows how long at that point, right? But I'm curious if you can kind of pinpoint with working with Sam and what we've been able to do with the surge strength program with you, like the increased flexibility or the added muscle or strength, what kind of stuff are you seeing actually show up now that you're back in the water? 
my stamina is definitely up. I'm able mm. to, uh, you know, stay strong in tough situations. Uh, my speed, um, my strength in my in my pole is has gone a little stronger. And you've been back in the water for how long now? Uh, just a, two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. So that's awesome. Then that you know, it's not it's not from that you were in the water that your stamina has increased. It's obviously from the strength. I mean, I'm probably sure you're still kind of finding your way back to that feel of the water two weeks in after you know four or five months being out. So yeah. that's awesome, Sam. Mm-hmm. Any anything you want to jump in that we haven't talked about that you saw improvement wise in the program or just the growth that Bobby was able to make? Um, you know, I think that. <sighs> I, I think we kind of covered most everything, but, you know, just the ability for him to kind of increase in workload and withstand that workload as we go, mm-hmm. you know, as we went forward. So, you know, constantly progressively overloading what we were doing. Um, also making sure that we are kind of varying the intensity of the day so that, you know, not every day was a high intensity day. Um, and for him to just constantly be able to put in, you know, put in the work and that, you know, it, it, the program, you know, personally, I thought it was a good program because I put it <laughs> together, but, you know, it doesn't matter unless the client, you know, or Bobby in this case um, is putting in the work and, you know, he did that. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know if there's anything else that we can kind of cover that way. I mean, you know, he was able to constantly progressively overload his work and got stronger and more flexible. And then he can even, he's even seeing those characteristics and that increase in strength and flexibility show up to where, he really didn't lose much time when it comes to training. Um, you know, here, here's a question for you, Bobby. I mean, do you, do you feel like you've seen a progression from maybe what we've done and to where maybe you're ahead of your peers or you're hopping back in the water at, you know, a higher percentage than you thought you would be than when you got in? De- definitely. I mean, I thought I was probably going to drown or something, <laughs> <laughs> but with the strength training, yeah, it definitely did a lot better than I thought I would. No, that's awesome. Bobby, what would you say to other kids, if, maybe if they're listening to the podcast, teenagers that are you know, kind of in a situation where you were, where maybe you were doing a little bit of strength training and yeah, it's tough, but now seeing the difference of like what a personalized program has been able to help you do with what Sam put together with the Surge Strength Program, what would you say if they're thinking about, you know, maybe filling out the form and, and checking us out? Um, I would say uh, at first it's going to be hard. <laughs> but, but it'll be great. It it's almost it's almost never the same. Mm. You know, every every week is something sti- something's different, and it's fun. Honestly, That's it's awesome. fun. That's awesome, Dad. What about from your perspective as a parent? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was a good way to see him improve, and it was um, it, it took something off my plate, which was great because <laughs> honestly, I, you know, my wife and I both have to do, take care of our daughter and take care of the house and everything else and work. So it, it was an extra added thing on top of our daily grind. And so it was great to have a professional be able to step in and help out. Um, and it, it, the improvements he made w- are way beyond what I would have been able to get him. So mm-hmm. that's absolutely the truth. And it was, it was a great value and, and worth my time and worth, uh, worth our time as a family. That's awesome. Cool. Guys, anything else either from Bobby or Bob or Sam feel like we need to make sure we let everybody else know about just this uh, surge strength program. Anything before we sign off here? 
I'm I'm good, honestly. Cool. <laughs> awesome to hear, Bob. Yeah, I'm excited. Again, less than two weeks back in the water out of, you know, having everybody else with the shutdown too, and the fact that you're already feeling strong and everything. I think that's just a huge, you know, kudos to you. And like Sam said, like, that's your payback for you being so consistent with all the sessions. So that's just awesome. Thanks. It's awesome to see that, like, it's awesome to see the gratification on your face too, because, you know, it, at the end of the day, like, I like to treat my athletes as close to family as I can. And it's harder to do this through an online platform, but through your responsiveness and your parents' ability to help you out, you know, this made this process so much more awesome. Um, And you're seeing the benefits from it, you know, and that's kudos to your workability. And then, you know, just, you know, it really is, you know, you are not behind right now at all. You're ahead of the game. And that's because of the work you put in. The, the hardest part of the training was actually, uh, I think you asked for a 30 pound dumbbells and we had to go find those. Or was the, <laughs> it was like a scavenger hunt around Seattle to find those. Well, that, pro- that progressed us to barbell work. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big, big piece to the puzzle there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well guys, Bobby, Bob, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Bobby, good luck in your water polo season. I want to hear how you do and, and how it progresses. And maybe we'll have you back on at some point again. Thanks again, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.